Craggy Rugby Podcast, game 14, I think it is. We're in December. It's nearly Christmas. We're in Apple Green just outside Belfast. And this is a very special Apple Green to us, William Davis. Indeed, Rob. Last time we were in here, we were sitting upstairs, uh, having come back from uh, Edinburgh on the ferry. Travelled all night when we won the Pro 12. Ah, yes. The Pro 12 title in May. We've also been in here after a couple of other games as well. And who knows, Alan, maybe we'll be back here again, coming home from Murrayfield after the Champions Cup final. Why not? Yeah, no, it's like, this is positive, <laughs> Alan. I mean, personally, I think after losing to Ulster 20 points, 23 points to 7 and picking up a ton of injuries, that seems like a long way off. Connacht are not the same team they were in May, but most of that is down to just injuries and maybe a couple of... Uh, there's moving on during the summer. Disappointing defeat today. Uh, yeah, it was like well, we, we figured we were going to lose. We, we mm. tend to lose up here on a fairly regular basis. Um, but no, I, I was I was happy with the attitude. I thought they showed a lot of heart and desire. Um, we just don't quite have the skill set or the physicality to get ourselves over the gain line at the moment in the in the right parts of the field. Uh, although Mr. Dawai showed us that he might be able to do it for us, and when he eagerly lined up at first centre. <laughs> when, he was ready for that, wasn't he? Knee Eddie Locum was down, looking as though he was in big trouble. He was well up for standing in first centre and going. He really wanted to have a pop at these guys. So, yeah, it looks like it could be some interesting times ahead. Yeah, coming up later in the podcast, we'll get Pat Lamb's thoughts on what Dawai can bring to our team. But I think, first things first, we better get into the story of the game. Let's hear it from here. We were on Galway Bay FM, the Craggy Crew. So you have lots of little clips during the contest. I might give you a little bit of a taste of what we felt, how it developed, some of our thoughts on it. And you're also going to hear quite extended chat after the game, which should take us back here to uh, the roadside stop. Well, Alan has a point Sorry, to make before uh, we go. No, no it's just, uh, I just, just wanted to flick on and see what they were saying about the match. And, and the headline is, Rory McIlroy braves miserable conditions to watch dominant Ulster push past Connacht. It's good. <laughs> Poor Rory. Oh. Is it the Irish Independent or something? It sounds like one of their headlines. Uh, the 42. The 42. My God, they're getting very people orientated in their stories. I like the end of. Okay, that's enough for me. That's enough for the lads. And we're just about to get ready. Paddy Jackson has the ball in his hand. Ulster in all white will attack right to left as we look out for the main stand. Connacht in that grey jersey with Navy at the back. We're ready to receive the ball. And the rain, there, there, there is showers forecast, and just as we're about to kick off, the rain has started to fall. There hasn't been a, a bit of rain for the last two hours, William, and here it is, you, just you, in time. You couldn't make that up. <laughs> There's a certain skill in that. They walk out, the referee stands in the centre circle, and it is absolutely hammering down now. Hopefully it'll pass through fairly quickly. All right, Connick might be underdogs. Big challenge to try to short kick off to start Ulster, and Connick have come through on the ball. Healy's trying to do that. Could have been number of knock-ons there were and the first of which was off an Ulster hand scrum to Connacht on the 10 metre line inside their own half big task for this Connacht team to end a long long line of hurt at this venue selves go round yeah well certainly it's um, I was just about to say that was on Finley Bealham's side he did the running around but he's after going back down to ground again so he's, he certainly is dominating his opposite number but he's doing it um, whilst injured this is a huge worry for Connacht Alan it certainly is I think he'll I think he's gone. Yeah. Can't work out what the injury is. It's an ankle injury. JP Cooney is going to have the biggest game of his life if he's going to see Connacht into victory because so far, William, 
Cooney has been effective coming on late in games on occasions, but he hasn't had as big a moment as this. What are we in? 26 minutes a game. Ulster 3, Connacht 0. It's an, it's an almost endless cycle of injuries. I, I don't, you don't know what to say anymore. He's very unhappy, he's shaking his head, but he knows he has to go. I mean, that's the third or fourth load of attendance. So JP Cooney just has to step up. Connacht are so well in this game. They've, but, you know, this, that's, that's what you've got to do. You need a squad, you need players who are ready to go. 41st appearance for Cooney. I'd say 95% of those have been from the subs bench. Best, a little bit of movement in the line-out for him, from his team, and Henderson wins it. Beautiful line-out from Ulster there. Really, really neat and tidy. And now coming in off the wing is Stockdale. That worked brilliantly. Here goes Piatau from inside his own half. He's up towards the 22. He's still running. Connacht in disarray defensively. Rory Parada makes the tackle, but Connacht really struggling. And now Ulster going on the short side. They're in in the corner. Oh, that's too easy. Shocking, shocking series of play from Connacht. They did their best to try and deal with it and it comes from a perfect line-out for 27 minutes of the game. A line-out inside the Ulster half of the field and everything looks so different now. Well, it's the first time Ulster have managed to hold on to the ball for any length of time. Any other time they've done that, they've dropped the ball, but they got the ball out wide and they, I think they made you know, they, they made the centres come up and then passed in behind, so there was plenty of space for the guys outside. Ulster scrum, Pienaar to feed in, steady ball, and they bring in the... Uh, Right winger Luddick on a disguised run. O'Connick have read that one well. Pullman smashed into Luddick. That's better defending, but it's still Ulster ball and an advantage because Connick didn't roll away right in front of the sticks. If Ulster feel conservative, it'll still soon be 13 points to nil with four and a half minutes to go to half. Pullman's injured. He took a huge hit when he made that hit, and I think that's maybe why he wasn't able to roll away. Plus the fact that two Ulster players immediately more or less sat on top of him and prevented him from, from rolling away. He took a big hit when that ball went in. If you watch when he goes to ground, you'd see that the I think it was um, Marshall just just basically held him down. You know, some referees don't allow that. Some referees will tell them, you know, you're you're holding him down, leave him alone. Other referees say, no, you're not rolling away. That's a situation that needs to be sorted out. You see it. You see it every week. You see players pinged for that. I mean, he 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 could go absolutely nowhere there. I mean, the fact that he's taken a nasty knock can. Uh, with the fact that he's got two guys absolutely on top of him, there's nowhere for him. He's absolutely no chance. They're showing the replay, and he, you know, in slow motion again. And I mean, it's good. No, it's just good play from an Ulster point of view. He needs to work harder to get out of there. It's part of the game. You just have to, you know, you'll see other, other no players chance. able to do it. Sorry, Alan, to jump in there. Just, just on that, he has absolutely no chance. The player dives on top of him and holds him in the rock. That's that's the game. That's you play you play the laws. The laws are there, and they state that. And so you play the laws to the best of your ability, and that's good play from Ulster. Could be on a conic move. That's what Alan's saying here with his hands, gesturing to spread it across the field. Oh, Halloran has come back though into the field, into, into where the forwards were. Actually, what I'm saying is there is a ton of space in behind that line. Look, the the, the three guys who are back are 30 40 meters back from where the attacking line is Little there's a over massive amount yeah. of space in behind now they're going to kick it with healy on the left foot downfield but it's straight into the arms of Piatau. oh what a pickup healy tries to make the tackle Piatau jumps right through it and he's away he's in open territory as he comes into the meet the line and he's eventually tackled i think that was carty wonderful tackle from carty ball kicked through from ulster chasing after it is luke marshall saving the day is kieran marmion and referee says he carried it over. No, it was touched by a Connacht hand because he didn't carry it over. Scrum 5 to Ulster, 13-0 up. 
and they've dominated the first 10 minutes of the second half. Second half possession, 62% Ulster, 81% territory. What are we into the second half? 52 minutes gone, 12 minutes in. Ulster scrum five, scrum goes down, advantage penalty against Connacht. It might matter, McCluskey over the line as he held up. Ulster smashed into that. That was more in from the side than it was in the first half. Ulster over the line. This should be it. Try for Ulster to the right of the posts. 18-0. Yeah, yeah. We've got a situation where we've we've played here 12 times in the in the Pro 12 or the Celtic League, and we've not scored in six of those matches. This could be the seventh. Brilliant. John Muldoon, absolutely fantastic. Just took the ball off Rodney Ayew there as they were on the same team. Fox Manamua out to Gannon, out to Adi Olokan. And Adi Olokan's wrapped up. Conic ball in the Ulster half of the field. Haven't had to say that in the second half too often. Alton Delan onto the field to try and lift his side. Anything, even a score for Connacht might just Good lift it. Carty, they could be on here for O'Halloran. Here goes Matt Healy. He's into the 22, trying to make it happen. The tackle goes in, it's not made, and Healy's only going to be stopped four metres from the line. Murmian pick and go. Here's the smack crash ball. Jack Carty's over the line. Connacht have got a try. And that came from the fact that Ulton Deland got across the gain line and forced Ulster onto the back foot. The first time we've had that happen since maybe the second or third minute of the game. Width is still the key for Connacht. It, it's the only place that we look dangerous is when we get the ball out to our wingers. Alton Deland, the way he went into that last contact, I thought he turned while rather awkwardly. Not surprised that he might have hurt himself. He's getting a bit of treatment, but he's hobbling. That's another concern, Alan. Well, it's the last thing Connacht need now. Yeah, he's not even going to go into the scrum. I think he's decided he's had enough because it's the last play of the game. Um, and you'd like to think that, that there won't be anything coming out of it because, you know... Uh, <sighs> Yeah, I, I've been impressed with the attitude in of trouble, lads. tonight. Yeah, he looks in. We're, he looks in we're having hands trouble. on our heads here because I just can't believe the injury crisis at this stage, William. There's no point of understaging this. It's an absolute disaster for Connacht in terms of injuries. Well, th- this is this is horrendous. I mean, he's, he's this, the further he works across the pitch, the slower and the more pain he seems to be in. He's getting a generous round of applause, but you've just got to hope that that's a small twist or something. Yeah. Put that in with Bealham and Pullman. Yeah, start yeah. to worry you have to really hope that it's not too much and it's uh, great to see the Connacht fans singing the, the Fields of Athen right down here on the right hand side they're determined to enjoy themselves tonight at least <laughs> <laughs> good city to enjoy themselves in if they're <laughs> staying up and do a bit of Christmas shopping tomorrow and come home indeed indeed I Marshall think that'll be the end of it. touch yeah 23 points to 7 Ulster have beaten Connacht tonight with 2 tries to 1 that in itself doesn't sound too bad overall much the better side Connacht disjointed with injuries coming in but the end very disjointed much mixed up backline lots of problems and uh, Finley Bealham Danny Pullman and Alton Delan can be added to the injured list Delan limping still big concern but at least he has gone back out to shake hands with people so maybe it's not quite as bad as we thought and they just didn't want to risk him they said no there's no point in going and pushing that disappointed with the result but I think he came up here not expecting much William because of all the injuries hopeful and I think everything we saw out there was character was strong work graft was good even when things were going wildly against them in the second half Connick teams of old would have crippled but they kept going kept at it and scored a lovely try scored a good try uh, knocked Ulster back a little bit showed a lot of heart a lot of determination but really when, when from the time Ulster went 13-0 up it was very hard to see anything other than the, the, the Ulster who I think took their foot off the gas a little bit. They've been, you know, they've had a lot of rugby to play as well. Quite where this leaves us for the monster match, I don't know. It'll, it'll all depend on who, who might come back. 
Um, who will be fit? It's very hard to see um, Danny Poolman pulling pulling up um, and Finley Beelham. The rugby injuries don't tend to heal that quickly. Yeah, I suppose it depends on what the injuries actually are. Like Danny looked like a head injury. Like he, he, you know, there was that snap earlier on in the game where he had a little bit of whiplash, and then there was the second one when he took that hit, taken down Jacob Stockdale, who's a big man. Um, you'd have to hope that it's just you know a mild concussion and there's nothing too serious and that he'll be able to come back. But like the reality is, I you know I'm relatively pleased with that result, with the desire we showed to keep um, Ulster out because they camped on our line for quite a long time for long sessions of the game. They only came away with two tries. You know it shows that the the heart and the desire is definitely in the team. That the defensive systems are quite good for the most part because they also have to work so hard in order to get their tries what we're missing is that as I've mentioned two or three times now is some oomph in the middle of the field to get us across the gain line as soon as we did when Ulton came on got us across the gain line two or three times in a row we scored a try Dawai seemed to drift out onto the wings a little bit too much for my liking I'd like to have seen him staying closer to the centre and giving us that bit of go forward because the only other break we made you know in the second half was when he did come into the centre got forward and we made some uh, some gain lines down the pitch you know, we really do need to get a backline that knows each other. <laughs> but lads, on that, William, maybe, and then Alan, because this is in counterpoint to you. Connick still aren't showing a lot of variation on their play. They're still sticking to the same game plan. You know, there has to be some questions on a horrendous away record at this stage. And injuries or not, it would be a little bit more encouraging if the decision-making varied a little bit as it didn't in that first half. The problem, the problem that I have with it is that I think teams are now very content to let us have the ball we've been watching this all season we saw it away to Leinster away to Newport and even tonight Ulster's defence didn't have to work anywhere near as hard as Connacht because they know that the ball is just going over and back we we don't really have a kicking game uh, and any any time any time and any time we do kick it's it's done with it's half-hearted yeah it doesn't really be seen to be done with any real belief well, you know, as I said, that's the third game in a row now that Kieran Marmion has not kicked the ball, which it seems incredible. For a, you know, scrum half, part of a scrum half's game is to kick the ball. Like, I know he's, he's fabulous and made, he made a brilliant break earlier on and he's a, he's a beautiful passer, but he has to take pressure off Jack Carty by making kicks. He has to look at something slightly different. Have to show the opposition something different rather than just letting them get into that frame of mind where it's okay, we can drift across here, we can drift back again. There's no pressure on us because we don't have to worry about... Uh, sort of 5 to 15 metres in behind us because we know Connacht aren't going to put a ball in there the only time they did Jack Carty came in knocked the ball I mean, it was the third or fourth ball he got in the game chipped the ball over the back Quinn Rue came in made 40 30, 40 yards with it the only time we did it all game you, you have to question their decision making as to why yeah. are they not doing that a little bit more often and it's not just Jack this is also down on Kieran as well I think it's amazing that a scrum half doesn't kick a ball at all. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, and even in the second half, there was a key kick from Healy, which, you know, we were crying out for that little chip over the top, but it was straight into the hands of Piatau, and if I'm correct in saying it, it ultimately led to the try, I'm pretty sure, from yeah. Ross. I mean, they're key mistakes, and, you know, everyone's going to give this Connacht team a little bit of breathing room because the amount of injuries they're getting. No one expects Connacht to win now against the Ospreys away, for example. Maybe even not against Toulouse away. But if they can dig out a one-point win, William, against Munster at home, no matter who's playing, we wouldn't put it past them after what we saw last week. And they can dig out the five-pointer against Zebre, they'll have achieved enough. But is that enough? 
Is that all we can ask for with all these injuries? Yeah, I, 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 I think, I think it is. It. I, I you think, take it, yeah. I think you have to take what you can get. That doesn't mean that they can't improve on what they're trying to do and how they're playing. The, inj- the injury situation is it's catastrophic. This has been going on now. It was all through last season. Now it's again this season. And somewhere along the line, there has to be questions asked as, as to why we, as a team, as, 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 a, as an organisation, s- seem to have so many injuries. We see injuries in training, we don't, but we see a lot of injuries in, in contact. And we've, we've had the same thing tonight where, where situations have just, you know, Danny Poolman's gone, you've lost um, Finley Bealham. Yeah. And, and Alton Delan at the and end. And Alton Delan at the end. And, and Bealham, you know, he could have been gone off the first time, but he stayed on and went through two more visits of the physio before he was hauled off. Look at some of the injuries. I'll just go through the ones that are pertinent to players that are, have played a bit of first-team rugby. Ronan Lockney, Connor Carey, Dominic Robertson, McCoy, Conan O'Donnell. They're all front rows. Andrew Brown, Jake Heenan, uh, Owen Masterson. And then we get into the backs. John Cooney, Marnus Boshoff. you got Shane O'Leary, Craig Ronaldson, Peter Robb, Stacey Ely, Owen Griffin, Bundy Aki, Keen Kelleher. And our leader. They're all players that have had a lot of first team experience. Now throw in Danny Pullman, now throw in Finley Bealham, now throw in Alton Delan. Of course, some of these could be coming back next week, Alan. But boy, do Connick need a few of them to come back because I don't know what's going to be left now for that Munster game, but they need to have something because Munster are on fire. They've lost one game in eight, is it? And that one game was still a last minute penalty in Leicester. We'll see how they go against Leinster. Yeah, and it's huge. It's huge for Connick's season to keep winning at home. That's the only thing that's going to save their season is winning at home. The only away game they've won since last March is the game against Zebra in the Champions Cup this year. They just don't win away from home. You know, and even that, if I'm right, that, that game against Edinburgh was played just either at the Six Nations or just after the Six Nations. Yeah. You know, when we come up against teams who are at full strength away from home, we just don't get results. And you'd have to, you'd have to ask a question, why? <laughs> what is it? You know, Pat Lamb's brought so much to this team. Our, our, our winning percentage against the... the um, the Irish teams had more than doubles in his time here but away from home we still struggle really really badly I think the only win he's got away from home was Munster last year yeah and while we're happy with the work rate and fully understanding of the huge amount of bad luck they're getting that's still a factor it is a factor and, 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 and what ties in with that is the amount of time we get into 22 which is called the red zone which I don't, don't particularly like Some that. call it the green zone well, as well. I call it anything. <laughs> call, it the tw- call it the 22. <laughs> Our ball in their 22. <laughs> and we don't convert. We don't get a penalty. We don't get a drop goal. We get nothing. We come away. We two scrums in there tonight and we finished up knocking the ball on both times. That was when we were actually getting a little bit of possession at the end of the half. Yeah. You have to. You have to. You just have to find a way to convert that into points because that gives you a boost and puts pressure on the opposition and it just it didn't happen yeah and it keeps momentum going the last time we kicked the drop goal <laughs> was was four seasons ago when the last person to drop a goal for us was Dan, Dan Parks. Parks you know <laughs> and, and even that I would take even three points if we're struggling to get across the gain line because of our lack of power and, and sophistication in the centre of the field which again which then has this knock on effect out wide because again teams can drift because they don't have to worry about it Score points. It doesn't matter how you get them. Score points. Do you know what Pat Lamb's going to say to you? Execution. 
it's fine, they're doing everything fine, I have no problem with the game plan. Actually, he'll say to you, he could say to you, he won't get into details, but he'll say to you, in that second half, 20 points to seven, key moment, lots of momentum with Connacht, and they got a bit disjointed, and Jack Hardy threw a loose ball, and Ulster came through and turned the whole game. You know, he'll yeah, say execution. Yeah, you can talk about that, but it, you know, the, the, the reality of the situation is up to that point in time, we'd been in there 22 three times and didn't have the capability to execute. That's not necessarily denigrating the team. It's just that, you know, when you're coming up against a guy in the middle of the field who's six foot three and, you know, uh, 104 kgs and we're trying to run through him, that just doesn't make any sense. You can, that, there's no execution there. You can't run through guys. But Danny Pullman tried to do it three times. That's just not his game. And you, but you have to get across the gain line, and if you're not getting across the gain line, you can't do anything. Yeah, you feel that there has to be a variation on the play, and the away record situation is is a huge issue. And the only thing that you feel is that at home we're still a match for anybody. But you yep. feel with unless we can get players back, away games are going to just become a challenge. I mean. The Ospreys away game is going to be very, very difficult to lose away game. Then we first game of the next session is away to Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, like that. You know, it would be <laughs> be quite ironic if we did manage to get a win away at Cardiff, considering how much we struggle against them. Um, I just don't see where the win's going to come from unless guys suddenly get, you know, some by some sort of miracle get themselves fit and, and get themselves um, back in the game. Maybe that Toulouse game, but it mightn't matter the Toulouse game because quarter final, home quarter final is highly unlikely. Whereas a quarterfinal is possible if they get five points against Everett and get something out of the Toulouse game. Although the other thing Connacht aren't doing away from home is picking up points. They don't get close to getting losing bonus points enough either. Okay, just to finish, um, Munster, the one one other plus that's in Connacht's favour, let's be honest, is Munster have a very short turnaround. I think it's from, the is it from Stephen's Day to, to New Year's Eve? Yeah. Got, well, that helps. Yeah, or is it 27th? It's, 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 it's actually it's a five-day turnaround. Five day turnaround. Connacht have an eight-day turnaround. That's a big differential. Start with you, Alan. Munster Leinster. And, and also, they have then three Heineken Cup games in a row to follow it because they play Racing Metro the following week. So they um, have to think about their layout. Yeah, and that could help Connacht, that. yeah. Yeah, it certainly can. And again, you know, you're looking at a situation where um, we have to play. We could only play fit players tonight. I don't think Pat wanted to play as many of the first-team players as he did because... You want to win your home games, you're quite happy to let the away games go because it's turned almost into a little bit like the top 14. Home teams want to win their home games. You know, you're talking sellout, you have to keep your, your home fans happy. The fans really don't care as long as they win. Fans go home with a win and they're under their belt, they're quite happy with that. Um, so Connacht definitely need to win next week. They've only lost two games in the last 12 months at home and they were both the, as I will always say, the pre-season games that happened at the start of the season. <laughs> Yeah, there is there is an opportunity with Munster because they're going to have to do some some squad work. But you you if you sat down in the morning and said if you could pick the team, I don't know where you'd start because you know where are they going to get two props to sit on the bench? That's the first thing I'd be thinking about. Who's who who? Yeah, because, well, I suppose the the question has to be asked. You know, the the average um, percentage of of a squad that's injured in any squad is around twenty to twenty five percent, right across the board. Most teams, if you look at most teams, Ulster have it as well. They have ten, twelve, maybe thirteen guys injured. We have well over twenty, and this is the second year in a row. So the question has to be asked is why? Why is this happening? Okay, Connacht have won four, lost seven, and eleven games. They're on twenty points. They're holding on to eight spot. Top four gets you into the playoffs. They're not going there. We talked about that. Top six gets you guaranteed Champions Cup next year. 
seventh or eighth, either one of those positions gets you in a way playoff, one-off game. We've been involved in playoffs before, you may remember, against Gloucester. Nearly won that, lost it in the end. In those days, you had to win two games. Now it's just one game away from home. It'll be either against the English-ranked seventh side or the French-ranked seventh or eighth side. It depends on a few different uh, connotations. So with that in mind, Connacht are trying to play for the top eight. Alan, well, what that, you what that? Yeah, so if you win that game, you then go into a final against the other team. So it is, there's two playoff games. Thanks for clarifying that. And, but I've been you, asking you people that for the last few weeks. I thought there was two places up for grabs. No, there's only one place up for grabs. You you get to play either the French or the, the, the English side away. And, and who's going to play but at home in that next game? The next game is a flip of a coin as to who plays at home. So, right. the, so, so the playoff final, if you like, could actually be a home game. Exactly. The fact that there's only one place up for grabs in those uh, by finishing seventh or eight makes that a complete lottery and a highly unlikely way to get through. Champions Cup rugby is looking highly unlikely for Connacht next season at the moment, William. It, it, it is looking unlikely and I think that is a major concern for them because, well, there'll be, a, there'll be a new head coach and he maybe he would be happy to go back to the Challenge Cup but for the marketing departments yeah. and all that sort of stuff, you know, Toulouse coming to the sports ground is one thing. Um... Narbonne, I, I've just I've just picked a Bucharesti uh, from Romania. We could send William off to Siberia again, see how that works out. Twenty-two, with twenty-two game season. You're at the eleven game point. We're talking at the halfway point of the season. And should Glasgow win this weekend, you know you could be looking at Connacht being twelve points outside the top six. I mean, they're going to have to win some big away games. They're going to have to win at the Ospreys. They're going to have to beat Munster at home. They win those next two games, they can turn it around. But look, yep. Champions Cup's going really well, Adam. But yeah, we're, we're, we are now fully dependent on other teams dropping points in other games and mm. us winning. We have to win every home game between now and the end of the season and pick up a couple of away wins. We still have the opportunity because we still don't get as badly hit during the Six Nations as other teams. Also, that playoff is not beyond a Pro 12 champion side if the injuries were back, if everyone was fresh, if they can win that away game. Who knows? It's not beyond them, but it's, it's the kind of stuff that's going to really stretch the squad as we get into the very end of the season. That's it from us. I hope you've enjoyed our extra bit of online stuff. Uh, we've uh, extended coverage here today from 6.45. It's been a long afternoon. Yes, and I think there's a press conference next week, William. Yep, I think there is a press conference on uh, Tuesday, so we'll uh, go along to that and see who's uh, available and who's not available. <laughs> and I hope everybody has a really good Christmas, a good break, and enjoys themselves. And the big fat chap with the red suit does his business for the... Smaller fans, and I suspect there might be a lot of Connacht jerseys in uh, um, Santa's uh, sleigh this year. And it? I think that there might be a couple of decent books out there on, on, on ConnachtRugby.com might be used. Yeah, absolutely. Lots to get your hands on on Connacht merchandise. These are good times for Connacht Rugby. I hope we haven't uh, brought too much of a downer on the Booga. Set the standards a little bit higher too. They're Pro 12 champions and slipping back to eight places is not where they want to be. It's not where, where we want to see them drop to as well. And there's still lots of time to turn that around. And of course first ever Champions Cup quarterfinal place up for grabs so so much to look forward to in the new year so much look to look forward to before that New Year's even comes upon us Munster next uh, Saturday week eight days time 5.30 connect at home to Munster at a sold out sports ground and that's it from us Alright that was us chatting after the game in great detail on Goal FM here's Pat Lamb in the post game press conference Okay, Pat, to start with, um, it was a tough battle out there when you consider the amount of uh, injuries that just continue to add up for Connacht. I mean, Finlay Beatham and Danny Pullman going off early, Pullman being key because you were down to nine backs to start with anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's like I just said in the change room, I'm extremely proud of the boys. I mean, 
You know, I, I always, and I've said it before, there's three main things you need for a successful champion team. You need a really good game that can beat anybody, the style of rugby and stuff. You need a culture and you need the leadership. And, you know, there's uh, what we're frustrated mostly is that our game put them under pressure, but we, we didn't execute. You know, we, we, we made errors and we um, and when we go back, you know, we'll look at the amount of chances we missed. But as far as the culture goes, it was outstanding. You know, the boys... Um, you know, with the sort of week we've had, uh, it's been uh, tremendous. I couldn't fault the, the effort they put in there, and then of course the leadership was really good out there too. But um, but we're, we're disappointed. We, we got you know we got nothing to show for our efforts. Um, but the, except for some good learnings that will um, this team does learn fast, and we've got months to next week, so uh, we'll get back there. But it's a hard place to win, um, particularly when, when you make it harder for yourselves. It was borne out in those closing 25, 30 minutes, actually seven points to three. I think Connick won that battle in the closing stage when we thought it was really getting away from Connick. But if I can take you back to the first half, there was a lot of opportunities for Connick to kick the ball. We're back into that scenario again. Or maybe just try and try and play for territory. What was your thinking in that? I know you're going to say execution, but did you feel no, again in the 22? I'll, I'll give you a classic example, Rob. Mm. The ball comes to Matt Healy out there and we had numbers. Matt kicks it to Charles Pietel and then Charles Pietel runs back. And it's the same thing. We... Uh, it was, we're 10 metres out from our own line and uh, if we pass that ball we, we get a chance to run and, and look after it we put him under pressure there we kick the ball and Charles comes through, breaks the tackle, we're under pressure and they score yeah. so uh, it's not about the, the kicking, it's the time to kick, it's the, it's the time to keep hold of the ball, it's the time to execute um, and you know we've shown very clearly many times that um, you know, when we beat them last time, we, we kept the ball for good periods of time and put them under pressure. Unfortunately, um, the big area we had, you know, we'd fumble the ball, they have a scrum, then off the scrum, you know, they they broke us on areas that we're strong on in our defence twice, one off a line-up, one off a scrum. And um, and you got to be, you know, I have to be fair, we didn't have a training session this week. So you have Danny Pullman playing 12 for the first time. You've got young Roy Parada, who normally feeds off an experienced Bundy Aki, mm. uh, trying to, to do the DM. Unfortunately, they got their, their lines wrong on twice. Um, and uh, But it's time to learn. And then, obviously, Dan, Danny goes off at half-time, before half-time, and Tien and Halloran has to go in there, never played there before as well. Um, so there's, there were some challenges, and we knew we would. That's why I'm extremely proud of that. And we just got a couple of those defensive errors wrong when things that we normally are very good at. Alton Delan gave you the front football that probably kick-started the revival. Yeah, I thought he followed up Quinn's great work. I thought Quinn Rue was outstanding. He, uh, um, you know, his work rate. He's just getting better and better. You know, he's enjoying that role in the middle and carried well and tackling well and putting a, put a big shift in. And then Alton came and carried it on. So again. I, I can't fault any player, you know, even the boys who made mistakes, the, the effort was tremendous, and particularly when we were really scrambling and um, on D, and, um, you know, and that's why we're disappointed. Is there going to be, looking into the Munster game, are you looking at a similar scenario to Wasps here where people are going to say injury crisis for Connacht, possibly even underdogs on their own side? Well, the thing is, it is what it is, mm. you know. Uh, I'd love to be able to <laughs> have some selection options. But uh, we're backs are falling left and right. We had nine backs out there, and we lost um, we lost Dani, and um, you know, and there's a couple of niggles to the other backs as well. So um, we're just going to have to see what happens. You know, hopefully the the three days and over Christmas uh, we get a gift of uh, a gift of healing, um, and um, and uh, and then we, we'll have a chance. But you know, certainly we're having to train a couple of the forwards out in the backs because um, we just got to make do with what we have. 
back here. Time for a bit of a chat. William, one thing about that press conference. You were listening to me asking Pat Lamb some questions. And we got another little bit from Pat Lamb to come up. But I was saying to you afterwards, I asked that question in the wrong way. We were chatting so much about the kicking and the bad kicking. And there I was. I just gave him a very leading, direct question. And I should have asked him in a more constructed way than should Connick have kicked more. And he had an answer for me that put me back in my box. Whereas what I really should have said was, you know, because like that Matt Healy kick, we said it during the commentary. You know, it wasn't the idea that he kicked. It was the fact that he didn't use the space right in front of him. He kicked too long. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it remains a little bit of an issue that we just we don't seem to want to kick the ball, and when we do kick the ball, we don't do it with any real conviction. I understand what they're trying to do, but the way Ulster were set up this evening, you had an opportunity to kick either long over their heads or short, but we didn't really do that. I mean, Kieran Marmion hasn't kicked now for three complete games; he hasn't even kicked once. Yeah. And that is just very, very odd. Because there are times, if you can't create space at the gain line, sometimes you have to try to move the ball upfield and put pressure on Ulster, as it was tonight, just by chipping the ball through. We did it once in the first half. and uh, Lovely chip into the hands of Quinroo. Quinroo, and that worked very well. Situations, second half. A couple of, I think what tends to happen is when players make a poor kick, they don't want to do it again. Um, do you know Halloran's kick out in the wing, which at least got us in territory? All right, also got the ball back, but I think we ended up with a line out. It put them on the back foot. Yeah, you've, you've got you've got to change the game up a little bit just to make them think, because they didn't have to think. They were playing a very tight line up, and then they had the back three back, but there was acres of room in. There was the gap between the back three and the the the, uh, the defense line was huge. So you drop a kick in there short where the, our players, Connacht players can run onto and their players have got to come forward. Yeah, just on that, I didn't want to go back and forth with him, Alan, because it wasn't the time for me to go, hey, well, you could have done it short. That's not for me to start getting into conversation with him. Because every time he gets asked that question, he's like, why are you asking me this question? We play to a game plan. The, the question then is, he talks about making the, the players um, making the right decision by making the best use of the space in front of them. There was oceans of space in behind the, the Ulster line. They basically had three players standing 20, 30, maybe 40 metres deep. This and is on the Matt Healy kick, which we refer to, for exa- Healy, as an example. As an example, and, and for most of the game. Mm. And that they kept three guys ex- incredibly deep, and then the rest of them were up, up in the line. They did, I think it was the third or fourth possession of the game, Jack got a ball, he flipped it over their heads of the, of the up-running defence, Quinn Root caught it and smashed through three or four players made 20-30 yards and then we didn't do it again and you're sort of going okay once you made them stop and think about it you have to make them stop and think the defences if the defences don't have to think it's easy to defend they're up quickly in your face yeah they, they know what's happening they were drifting all night they were drifting left and right because they knew they could take the man one on one because they knew where they were coming from we couldn't find the soft shoulder and the reason you can't find the soft shoulder is because the defender knows what's happening so he's not presenting a soft shoulder because he's not worried about anything else happening when they had the ball and they came smashing through they, they found soft shoulders because when you've got Piatau able to step off either side step off either foot or crash through the ball the defenders have to see what he's going to do when you have a situation where you know I don't know how many players ended up in the right position at the end of the game, but I don't think too many of them did in the back line, which again is going to cause confusion, which is why I'm relatively positive with the fact that Ulster only scored two tries when we had you know, a real makeshift um, back line out there who don't 
don't normally play in those positions and they still come up and play you know, with such heart and desire um, and it's all looking good going forward as far as I'm concerned even after a loss like that Right To finish the podcast we'll talk about the injuries and stuff like that I, I was chatting to Richard Mulligan which was interesting Belfast Newsletter You were talking you, you found an interesting fact about the Belfast Newsletter Yeah it's been published it's the longest continuously published English language newspaper in the world first edition was in 1737 don't think Richard's been there since 1737, but uh, he certainly gave us a very interesting interview, which we played out at half-time on the live coverage, but uh, here it is. Yeah, local rugby journalist for many a year, Richard Mulligan. I'm going to just chat a little bit about Ulster Rugby and where it stands right now. There's a couple of issues I wouldn't mind chatting to you about. <laughs> Begin with, though, and we're just going to talk about some of the things around the edges. Room PNR. Can you for some of our Galway listeners who probably have heard a little bit about this give them a bit of insight into how Ulster is feeling about this great servant I think he's been here six seasons now who's been told pretty much by the RFU it's time to go yeah it's uh, Ruin's part and parcel of Ulster life now he doesn't want to go he's mm. made that quite clear um, but look, there's an RFU succession policy and we need to be developing indigenous players and, and um, I suppose that the key question here is why have Ulster Rugby not done anything about it for the past six years and I'm not going to knock people like Paul Marshall and whatnot, but he's there he's a good backup um, Paul he'll probably not hear this but he had offers to go elsewhere in the past didn't take them and I think he probably should have done at that time um, we've nobody young coming through there's a young guy Angus Lloyd coming through now who I think will maybe make it okay. not, maybe not at the international level but certainly he's, he's potentially been a very very good provincial Pro 12 type player and, can, and Champions Cup but I just thought the IRFU were a bit short sighted on this here we have a world class scrum half who lives in Ireland mm. wants to stay in Ireland we want to bring our scrum halves on you know okay doesn't necessarily have to play for Ulster but it could be employed in some way with Ulster or in the IRFU imagine you can have a scrum half coaching session with one of the world's best scrum halves. Leinster, Munster, Connacht, Ulster. The schools are all in there. The clubs are there. You could move them around the province and have the best quality training. And I think there, if you were short-sighted on that side, I understand where they're coming from. And I agree with what... We do want to see our own players, our own Irish players, the cup in Japan. There's no doubt about that. The more, the more Irish-born players there are, the better. We do need the likes of Jared Payne, um, CJ Stander they've certainly boosted the thing and that and it's improved the rugby in Ireland there's no doubt about that but it would be but we still got to we still got to try and develop our own players and we're not doing that at the moment enough we know what Bundyaki has done for our province in terms of as an ambassador for rugby he's the most well known name in every corner of the five counties in, in the west of Ireland so but his the difference is he hasn't played for another country and ergo he's Irish qualified it seems so arbitrary when Room Pienaar has the exact same impact up here in Ulster yep. and yet just because he has those caps and a lot of them yes. for South Africa he's, he's not available and has to be like oh it nearly looked like a situation where surely an exception could have been made even though everyone understands the, yep. the, the general idea what they are if you have in yep. mind I think they could have said to Ulster okay look you can sign him on a one year extension mm-hmm. on the, you know that he's Gonna ha- this, is, this is it. You've got to be bringing somebody else through. You've got to identify an Irish qualified scrum half from somewhere, or else have you got somebody in mind at the moment? Which they obviously don't, or that would have been talked about before. Now here's the natural successor, Ryan Pinar, three years ago, and that, that in that year maybe the IRFU and Ulster or IRFU and Pinar could have talked about. Look, 
we'd like you to get involved in coaching. Mm. Could ruin pain our coach at Ulster. There's no reason why not. And there's bound to be some kind of, even in statistics role even <laughs> there's plenty of those boys about at the minute you know <laughs> um, but I think the you could have been able to do the, from a coaching point of view of helping to develop young scrum halves in Ireland right through whatever province they're in and I think the you have, have been short-sighted in that I don't want to talk too much about no. the links with John Cooney but I, there has been some talk about that because Connacht have three really strong scrum halves uh, obviously we don't want to lose John because he's been brilliant and pushed yeah. Kieran Marmion all the way Caelan Blades there as well but at the same time it's one of those situations though where Ulster need a scrum half and you're just wondering to yourself could there be a better system in terms of if Cooney does end up signing a contract for Ulster can Ulster send someone to us in a position where we need some cover and Ulster have a little bit of excess quality yeah. I would be a big supporter of this more so in the past couple of years and John's been mentioned and even indeed Kieran Marmion was mentioned at one point mm. of being a bit of quite good man I mean I know a lot of people up here have been impressed with Kieran mm. um, even when he plays in the wing for Ireland you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would be one of the people who would be saying look is there an over bulk of props in one province and somebody one of the other provinces needs somebody well, actually, let's do a wee bit of swapping yeah. around here and move the players around. I know that people have allegiances to certain provinces, and there, there are obviously people in Leinster and Munster who would never, ever want to wear an Ulster no. shirt and vice, vice versa. There's people in Connacht who want to be affiliated with Connacht. But I think from an Irish point of view, and that's where we've got to look at it from, from uh, I mean, the clubs are important, the provinces are important, but it's all about Irish rugby, and we want to see Ireland winning a World Cup at some time. And there has to come a day when you've got to say, well, look, Maybe there's two Connacht players we could we could take two of them, and there's two backs we could give to Connacht, and would help everybody. Now, what then happens if at Connacht last year, Connacht finished the top province in Ireland? Is that is that going to go down well in some quarters? Mm. And well, why should we be giving him those players if they're going to end up finishing above us? Now, that didn't happen last year. Connacht still won the Pro 12. <laughs> But you can see the politics, yes, it's the old politics coming into it as well, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, look, we're missing Robbie Henshaw right now, and, and, and that's all part of it. But again, it's individual players' decision-making as well, and in Robbie's case, it's well accepted that that was his decision. After, just, yeah. just on the Robbie Henshaw, yeah. just because Robbie Henshaw went to Leinster, th- that's not the reason why he's playing for Ireland. Robbie Henshaw had already started playing for Ireland with Connacht, yeah, yeah. and playing at Connacht was the best thing ever happened to Robbie Henshaw. Yeah. And I think it's a real shame that he was taken away from there. Or decided to... I'm, okay, well, we'll say taken away, because he was. He was, to, he, was yeah. he was told to move, and I think I think it was wrong. Because can you imagine him and Bundyaki together again, you know? <laughs> and we're missing him this season, there's no yeah. question. Come here, just to finish, because we can only cover a couple of topics. Rory Best, first of all, what did it mean to you and, and Ulster people to see the reception he got from, from the entire country at, at, at uh, Diviva Stadium a few weeks ago uh, on his service to the Irish, Irish rugby and how much he's loved in every corner of the island now. That day to me really made me feel proud to be an Irish rugby supporter mm-hmm. because I've been going down for years. Yes, I know a media, but I go down and I support Ireland and I'm a big four, I'm a four proud four proud provinces man. Mm-hmm. I support, I was over in the Pro 12 final last year, uh, the, the Connacht colours over, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I love to see that, and, um, Leinster and Munster, I mean you saw me tweeting over the past couple of weeks, well done Connacht last week and well done Leinster, great mm-hmm. to see that. Well done Munster the week before and, and unlucky there. The reception that Rory got really made me think, you know, it's great that an Ulster man who's getting, who's the first one to get under capital is getting a reception like this here. And I think there's an awful lot of people out there now who don't look at it from the politics, if you like. It's about rugby here as a player who's one of the world's best hookers. He's just played 100 caps. They've beaten New Zealand two weeks earlier. It was just fantastic to see it. And I think a lot of people relate to the fact of, of the reception that they got here. And... Even if you go back to the Keenspan Stadium, the Exeter Chiefs night, 
and singing the fields of Arthur Ryan. That was incredible. You know, and a lot of it, I mean, I know the local radio station here made a big deal about it on Monday morning, but I thought, guys, you don't understand rugby. Whenever um, Levin Spence and his family had that tragedy, Munster Leinster and Connacht fans, wherever they were on that particular day, sang Santa for the Ulster men. Yeah. And that to me is like a unif- unifying thing to say, using yeah. the word union in Ireland, but, yeah, <laughs> but you understand what I mean. I just thought, it was the reception really, I just thought there is so much respect for this player, you know, and it was just great to see it. Rugby as a sport is fantastic for crossing those kind of boundaries and, and no better example than the British and Irish lines. I mean, United team, what it does, what it does to rugby people and how people new to the sport are really getting it now. Yeah. Rory best for captain it's something I think we're all really hopeful if, if the Irish angle in the lines one of the big ones is maybe captain and certainly being the starting hooker I mean it's a huge jump forward from a couple of years ago when he's in a competitive battle for that hooker spot now he's looking like the number one choice for him. Oh, there's no doubt about that and I mean I know that I, I know I've spoken to Rory and Rory has said he's not even thinking about the Lions but I think given what happened the last time and the way he captained that midweek team and things went so wrong for him just on the day I mean if, if anything was going to go wrong and, 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 and if it doesn't rain it pours like on a Friday night at, at the Kingspan and everything just went so wrong for him and I would just love him to get that one opportunity in that Lions shirt again to captain a, te- captain a team a winning team and it would just be a nice wee line under the, his career's coming to a close and I just think it would be great for him whether it's captain of the test side or whether it's captain of the midweek side I think it'd just be great for him and indeed the whole of Ireland just to see him with a big smile on his face at the end of a Lions game Great stuff from Richard Mulligan there and I think Rory Best was outstanding again today he mightn't have scored a try like he usually does against Connacht but he was really good um, there was a couple of times just he was orchestrating turnovers and everything just from his sheer energy and determination absolute class act on the rugby field ok so I just want to talk about injuries as we round off this podcast um, to start with so much going wrong with him first of all like that's Delan gone not gone sorry Delan with a knock Beanham off with a knock Pullman off with a knock confirmed afterwards that both Beanham and Pullman were HIA and Delan we don't know yet obviously looks like an ankle well that would suggest that Beanham was attended to twice on the pitch so that would suggest that he picked up a HIA after he got some other knock because if he'd had a HIA issue he would have been brought off sooner Uh, so I think he can rule him and Danny Pullman out of the Munster game. Alton Delan, who did make a major contribution when he came on, um, seemed to do something to himself, didn't pack down in the last scrum of the game, and walked off quite slowly and a bit unhappy looking. But that might just be a, a bit of a bruise or a knock. I mean, look, this stage you just hope. I, I don't know how he gets a team. I, well, look, maybe there'll be some guys coming back. We'll be at the press conference on Tuesday and we'll hear. But it's going to be... Um, it's already down to bare bones. I don't know what's lo- lower than bare bones for Munster and then away to the Ospreys. Alan, one of the positives was Darwai. He was great out there. Yeah, yeah. He gave us a lot of go-forward ball, put doubt into the minds of the defenders, um, got across the gain line every time he got the ball and, and um, gave us some momentum himself and Ulton Delan. When Ulton came on as well, we scored just after Ulton came on because he made two smashing runs which again drew defenders in and creating space out wide which we used and showed that we can still do it if we create the space out wide we have the players that can take advantage of it at the end of the open press conference part of this section I, I asked Pat Lam one more question because it hadn't come up I was just curious to see what he thought of now Leah's uh, is that pronounced right now Leah 
Nalia. Nalia. Yeah, I'm getting used to this. Nalia's uh, performance, and it was really interesting what he had to say. Oh, without a doubt. I said when we signed him, people asked me, no one, a lot of people didn't know who he was, and I said, well, he'll be the Bundyaki of the Ford pack. You know, he's um, he's X-Factor explosive. We saw last week he turned that game for us mm-hmm. where it looked like it was lost. Mm-hmm. Came on, put a big hit on the launch free, got up, charged the ball down, put the pressure on Wade, got us a turnover. Saw speed down there. Mm-hmm. We, we're training when the boys play touch and that everyone wants him on his side because he's, uh, he's Fijian and he's... <laughs> He's, uh, he's tough and he's it was good too I think you know most Fijians when they get to forwards you know uh, not renowned for the um, you know the, the, the detail and the tight stuff but him playing rugby in New Zealand Otago um, uh, has really uh, fine tuned his game so uh, he, he, he's a good one and he's uh, he brings something different which is what I was looking for for our forward pack uh, we've got a lot of hard workers and some good players but I just needed a little bit of X factor there and and at the moment, it's it's tough because he's uh, told him he has to cover centre and cover wing. When uh, knee went down, he was going to go to twelve, put ten, and back to fullback, and uh, that's just that's just where we're at at the moment. But he's uh, he's a good one to watch. Dawai and a couple of other players are going to be absolutely vital. We don't know who might be coming back. You guys are going to the press conference on Tuesday. You should gather a little bit more info on that. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully there'll be a few players coming back, guys, come back on a, on a regular basis. Um, you know, it's it's eight days before the next game, so there is time for these guys to, to, to heal. Um, and, you know, in all honesty, you know, does any professional player ever fully heal anyway? You know, when you're a professional rugby player or a professional sports person of any sort, you tend to play with some niggle or some injury no matter what so you know I think we might see some of them and it'll be interesting to see if he does eventually pick Dawai at 12 yeah if things are really bad this could be this could be quite an option they might actually have to do this they might have to do it I don't think they'll want to do it simply because I doubt he knows all the defensive plans but the lads today didn't either he said they could only walk through it in a video session with them in terms of defensive alignment that's what happened on the read for the for this uh, try in the corner yeah so look at this stage they're probably just going to have to wing it um, I think he might bring a sort of a wing it dynamic as well he might mm. try things mm. um, just try to offload the ball or just try something unusual because I don't think we do that we're, we're, we're a bit formulaic in the way we approach our attack and sides are reading us. So if you can bring somebody new in that does something different, then that might just knock them off their stride because we need we need to produce something that will knock a team and make them think. I don't think Ulster had to do any thinking tonight. They almost knew what we were going to do before we did it. And once they'd stopped us getting over the game line, that was all they had to do. They knew... That was our game, and once they'd stopped it, they stopped it. Ulster didn't play particularly well. I mean, they knocked the ball on six, seven times. They missed passes. They were 20 nil up, and they should have kicked on and got a bonus point, and they didn't. Now, we, we improved a bit, but I don't think we, we just didn't have enough there. We, we don't have a trick in midfield t- to do something different. He's also... A bigger unit, the modern centre. I mean, McCluskey is the is the archetypical modern centre. I mean, he's a huge man. He's a bit like he's going to be a bit like Aki. He's going to do a bit of the same role. Obviously, not nearly as dynamic, but he in, in the role Aki played against Was, he'd be able to kind of cover a little bit of that. Well, like you're playing Munster, who you know have been playing some great rugby, but it's still very straightforward, dynamic rugby that they play. They come at you, and they come at you, and they come at you. It's not particularly sophisticated. 
which means the defensive lineups is just a case of can you get up into the line and make a tackle because that's what they're, they're just going to keep bang, 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 bang. It, it's not near the, the, the level of sophistication you get against Ulster. You know, the, the handling conditions, that shower just as the game started sort of destroyed the, the capabilities of both sides for a while because it, you know, it really did pelt down and it made the ground quite greasy and the ball very greasy. Um, Munster are, are back playing the type of rugby that made them successful um, but not with a huge amount of sophistication which means you can easily put a guy in at 12 I used to love jumping out of the back row and playing in the, in the backs every now and again because of the freedom it gave you mm. not having to get stuck into every rook and ball probably where you look so enthusiastic about it all yeah exactly Yeah, there is an element of freedom that you get by, by going out there because you can read the game and sometimes you read the game you, you suddenly see what's you can read what's going to happen before a 12 wouldn't necessarily because he's thinking of other things whereas as a as a back row you just want to go out and smack something and, and yeah he should be able to play for it hey, we've been to a few games up in Raven and you know what is interesting when they went 20 nil up and they thought the game was run as it would have been in the past they took off PNR standing ovation took off a couple of other players I think they thought they were going to cruise like they normally would against Connacht in those situations when they put the game to bed I'm really encouraged by that just small element of oh no this Connacht now even with all the problems if you take off the foot off the gas a bit then you're going to, they're going to actually come back at you and score a great try from Jack Cardy yeah, well, it happened last week against Wasps. They took off four or five of their, you know, their major players, and and we went and eventually won the game because they took their foot off the pedal, and, and Connacht don't. And that's I say, that's the, the the energy that they had, and and okay, you know, we, we are missing a couple of key players, but the energy we showed at the end, and the desire to keep getting up and make tackles, and the work rate was really really mm-hmm. high, and that's I, I was quite impressed by that. Yeah, that's not just a platitude; it really is based on everything we were watching. Yeah, it, it is. It's. It's also a slight criticism of Ulster, really, but this is what they're they're like at the moment. They're yeah, yeah, they yeah. are very very flaky. Uh, Something really lacking in them. Yeah, when people come away that impressed by them. No, I don't. I don't think they were very. I don't think they were very impressive, and I don't think they've been impressive any time this season. I mean, they've got some really good players, uh, but once Pinar went off, it, it it just they got very disjointed. Mm. Uh, I suppose the argument is if they'd been leading. 13-0 at that stage they wouldn't have taken him off so they took him off when they thought they had the game won and in the end they've won the game by 16 points so they can say look we did the job but they if they want to challenge maybe to, to win the Pro 12 uh, they're going to have improve, uh, improve a lot they are missing a lot of players Joe yes. Marshall was excellent Luke Marshall that is I thought he was really good uh, McCluskey did a great job scored a try Piatow's a wonderful player Henderson deserved his man in the Ratch World for being just an absolute workhorse Rory Best is, is brilliant and do you know what just before, before we finish because I'm winding down this podcast we've got to get home I really like the reaction John Muldoon got when he came off just a proper decent round of applause from a knowledgeable rugby crowd who know that man's coming up to, to Ravenhill for years playing good rugby against him and remember him winning the title I'm, I'm honestly saying you don't get that in a lot of grounds real respect for the opposition and it's just you get such a welcome there as well love the place it's a great place to come and watch a match you say the welcome fans are knowledgeable they're there to support their team but they, they're there to watch good rugby ok William any other business I think it's an absolute disgrace that our away match to Toulouse in the Champions Cup is on a Sunday that's our third away Sunday game I don't think that's acceptable I don't think any other team would be asked to do it it's unfair it's, I, I don't really worry about the team because they're professional sportsmen uh, and we've, we'll be going to cover it And it's not. Our, but I'm talking about fans who want to go um, some respect has to be shown to them it's a difficult place to get to at this time of the year 
and it's that difficulty is increased by the fact that it's on a Sunday afternoon Alan can you give me some any other business I, I, I enjoyed looking at a game where the poles the goalposts were, were fully painted <laughs> all the way up and they were like twice the size of Virgo posts. indeed indeed any other business is to thank the lads for a good journey really enjoyed it we're going to get back home we certainly do now pleasure commentating with you tonight went well nice nice flow to it really enjoyed it absolutely guess what we're doing we're driving home for Christmas Yay.